my campers. Welcome back to Girls Camp. I'm your host, Haley Rawl. Thanks for being here. This episode will enchant you because the guest today is the wonderful, enchanting, amazing, intelligent, wise Ash Adams. I really, really loved our conversation. I learned so much from her and the range of what we speak about is kind of crazy, but yet it all kind of wove together really nicely too. Ash is a palm reader and we talk a lot about this in the episode, how she kind of got called to palm reading, what that's like for her, more about what palm reading even is, which I didn't know a lot of before this episode. And she gifted me a reading and it was life-changing. Seriously, it was so beautiful. It was so helpful to me. It was so resonant. I kept telling Bentley, I can't believe some of these things that she was saying in the reading. I was like, did I have that conversation with her? No, that was with you yesterday. Like really, really cool connections in the reading to things I had been wondering about, things I had been thinking about. And it was just such a wonderful gift. I already bought a palm reading from Ash for my sister-in-law for her birthday, and I just cannot recommend it enough. I think it's such a cool spiritual medium, and it's just a really cool thing to be able to explore these different spiritual modalities, see how they feel, see if they're helpful. It's just such a cool space to be in, and I love these spiritually based conversations, which this one definitely is, because they always just leave me feeling so energized and so excited. I I really do consider myself a spiritual person, and obviously that's a hard thing about leaving Mormonism, is rediscovering that, and I love getting into it, talking about it deeply, and exploring it, which I think is what this episode is all about. So have fun, enjoy the ride. Here is the combo with Ash. Welcome, Ash, to Girls Camp. Hello. Thank you for having me. So happy you're here. I haven't been to a Girls Camp in many years. Right? You did go to Girls Camp growing up? I was Laurel president. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was that kind of girl. You were Laurel president. Ooh, can't wait I to I was get a really that. bad Laurel president, though. Mm. I, was a, I was the worst Laurel president my ward had ever seen. Where did you grow up? So we, my whole young woman's era, yeah. I was in Utah and okay. we lived in Wyoming before that. We always just moved around a lot. So gotcha, there was nowhere gotcha. I really grew up, but I did all of my like 12 to 18 here yes. in Utah. And you were Laurel president in Utah. I was Laurel president. And it was just like, honestly, they're like, we picked you because of like this spirit. And I'm like, no, you picked me because I'm charismatic. Like <laughs> you picked me because I'm the most bubbly. You're like, like I'm a good leader. Yeah. And I that's was, why you picked me. I was not, I was not fit for the job. <laughs> Incredible. We are going to talk about all of that today. I am super excited to talk to you about so many things. We've been trying to coordinate this Mm -hmm. for a while. And every time you post a story on Instagram, I'm like, I need to make a note of that. We need to talk about that. Oh, we need to talk about that too. You do such a good job on Instagram. Oh, thank you. At like asking really interesting questions and cultivating really interesting conversation. And every topic you bring up, I'm like, oh. We're going to have so much to talk about. Thank you. That's yes. uh, that's actually so funny because every time since we've been trying to coordinate this, yes. every time I post, I'm like, she's going to see this and be like, <laughs> I don't want this weirdo on my podcast. No, I think it's great. I feel like especially with a platform like Instagram, 
that's a difficult thing to do mm-hmm. and to actually cultivate conversation. Mm-hmm. I feel like you do a good job at asking good questions. Oh, thank you. That are not divisive, but like interesting and thought provoking. Yeah. And I really admire Well, that it's part. hard. I mean, it's hard to try to start those conversations. I don't know if you saw what there's a podcast that posted today. She was like, what's everybody's worst opinion? And I was like, this is not the way to have a conversation. Like it got so bad, so gnarly. So yeah, yeah social media is hard to try to create conversation it you is know what I mean? it is I feel like there's without it just getting ugly yes and you get rewarded sometimes for like being intentionally controversial totally which is odd totally I think it's much more difficult but much 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 more productive to try and approach things with like let's talk about this what do you think oh my gosh thank you yes. that's always my intention no you do great at that thank you you are also a palm reader. Yes, that's that's like my shtick. That's how I get invited to parties. <laughs> and it really is. And it has worked for a long it's time. It's so interesting. I'm so fascinated. I know very, very little about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to talk about it and talk about how that functions for you as like a mode of spirituality uh-huh. and how you got into palm reading. So that's kind of where we're leading to. Mm-hmm. But of course, we need all the context okay. on... Where it all started, your post Mormon journey. Okay, perfect. So tell me about tell me about growing up, your family situation, your relationship to Mormonism. Okay, yes. We know so, you're a Laurel president, so I was Laurel president. <laughs> so clearly it was going well for a yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. So we were a doctrine family, not a culture family. Mm. So I know some people with the Mormonism, it's about like I was listening to one girl share her experience, and it was about like what will people think if you're not dressing modestly or whatever. But it wasn't about you know what you were doing behind closed doors. We were very much a doctrine family to the extreme. My parents were, they weren't doomsday preppers in Mm. the sense that they were not trying to survive anything. They were just, and still kind of are like the end of the world is coming. Like they're those people who are so excited for the end of the world. Like we would read all these fictionalized accounts of it. We would read scriptures together as a family every night. There was always like, I mean, there was not, we never skipped seminary. We never skipped mutual. It was I mean, our world revolved around Mormonism, like, through and through. I'm the second oldest of nine kids, so it was – we were homeschooled, so it was just very, like – there, there is – there was no me without Mormonism. Yeah, wow. Intense. So – Have you read Educated by Tara Westover? That has been recommended to me so yeah. many times, and every time I try to read it, I just start crying. Yeah, I was Do I need say, to read it? It's maybe a little too close to home. It's – I mean, it's – yeah, it's one of those things where, like, the Mormonism is so, like, baked in that trying to, like – unravel yeah. it is like trying to remove like the left half of my body from my right like it it would kill me and I feel like when I talk about where I've landed now I think sometimes people are I'm not I think I'm not enough ex-Mormon for some ex-Mormons mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. want nothing to do with it would not go to a baby blessing or a baptism or anything like that and it's like for me I'll die if I don't if I can't find a way to integrate this there's Absolutely. there's no option it was just there was no it wasn't like I was going to school to get an alternative perspective or even like get a break. It was like we were learning math and it was about like, can you believe that God used math to create the world Mm. like this? Like science, obviously I was taught that, you know, dinosaurs never walked the earth. It was like, God, he took the matter of other planets and put it in our earth. And that's where dinosaurs come from. Like there was no escaping it. Deeply, deeply interwoven. Yes. Deeply, deeply. And I loved it. I was so into it. I was like, I, I wanted to be like one of the Duggars. Like I wanted to be like a Mormon Duggar. Like I was such a weird little kid and I didn't wear pants for like two years. I would wear skirts wow. like a Duggar. I was so inspired by them. Anyway, 
everything was going great until like about my teenage years. My older sister had, you know, some really tough experiences. She left the church. She left home really young. And that it didn't send me questioning. But around that same time, I was like 16 and an older boy who was very Mormon, like set his sights on me. And I can't even call it an abusive relationship because we were never dating. It was like, uh, but it was a very toxic, like this older boy, like just like kind of took me in and started like not even abusing me in any other way other than like religious abuse. Just like everything I did, he was like, I, I mean, I would like, I think I like, liked to picture on Tumblr once of like an outfit that was, you know, immodest. immodest. And <laughs> yeah. he, he was like, you're a whore. Like he locked me out of his car Whoa. with my phone and he would go through all of the memes I had saved. And if it swore, he was like, you're a bad person or whatever. Like it was just the most bizarre little flash in the pan situation. Yeah. Yikes. Where were you living at this point in Utah? Bluffdale. Okay. So anyway. Wow. That's neither here nor there, but around like 16, 17, I was like, that was horrible. I don't think I want to be with a guy who's that into religion anymore. I started dating a non-member and that was where things started to like soften a little bit for me because I met this boy who's now my husband and I just was like, you're a good person because you want to be a good person. You're not a good person, you know, because there's the threat of like going to hell. Mm. Um, and then one, one aspect of my childhood that comes back around when I start talking about palm reading was my grandma on my mom's side was into energy work and muscle testing and things like that. And not in like, that makes it sound like she's like the grandma from Moana, like cool and like doesn't <laughs> conform. She was very conservative, very like, but randomly, like I never even asked her like, why are you into these two opposing things? But she was. Yeah. So I grew up super religious and then occasionally having my grandma do like muscle testing and energy work on me. So that was always like a little seed that was planted of like these things can coexist. Yeah. So, was your parents like the rest of your family okay with your grandma? Totally. Doing that? Yeah. Because okay. it was my maternal grandma. So I think if it had been like my dad's mom, my mom would be like, what the heck? But it was my mom's mom. She was so, used to it. Yeah. So she was used to it and she would do some of it on us. Um, She was like a like an almond mom, a supplement mom, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the government's lying kind of a mom. Mm -hmm. So, ooh, these Venn diagrams get so interesting. I know, I know. With politics, with religion, with health modalities, it's so interesting to yes. overlap. Well, I think it's just like you miss, you're just taught to mistrust anything except for like the church or something. Yeah. And so there's just no reconciling anything else. Yeah. So anyway, I started to, when I like, when I left the church, I don't, it's, it's hard for me to even say that I left the church because what happened for me was even around the time that I started leaving and not going anymore, it was like, it wasn't like I broke up with the church. It was like I started having like a secret love affair with like spirituality. Mm. So I had what people call, what I used to call when I was a little bit more annoying, a spiritual awakening mm. mm -hmm. where I was 18, 19. I was living in my first apartment. I was going to church, all of that stuff. And I decided to meditate for the first time for not spiritual reasons at all. It was just like self-help stuff. And I sat down and I meditated and I had a full-blown like instantaneously, like a couple minutes in. I, it might have been like the second or third time I was meditating because it was the first time I got in a meditative state. And it was like all of a sudden being plugged into like super conscious. 
cool. I think like the analogy that I've used before, I can't even remember it, but people are like, that impacted me so much when you said that. And I'm like, I don't remember saying that. <laughs> but it was like I was a fish like swimming around looking for water. And, and the church was like a bottle of water. And I was like, look, I found this water. Like this is water. This is truth. This is God or whatever. And then that time that I meditated, it was like becoming aware that the water was not only everywhere, but it was everything. And it always had been. And that was me and God. Like I was the little fish. The water is God. It was just like, there's no separation between me and God or anyone else. And I just felt plugged into that for a couple of minutes. And I've never been the same since. And that really shattered the illusion that there was any reason to have anything or person or spiritual modality or authority figure standing between me and God. It just feels hilarious to me. Like it feels genuinely comical to me that anybody would stand in front of me and say that they can connect me better to God because I'm like, God's everywhere. God's everything. Like God is me. I am God. Like we are, there's no separating it. It's, it's like comical to me. And then I stayed in the church for a couple of years because it wasn't hurting anything for me, Mm. even though it was in hindsight, obviously it was, but it wasn't hurting anything for me. And I just was like, this is, you know, these things can coexist. How are you making them coexist? Like what was the... I think because my grandma had always had her energy work thing, it was just in my brain, it didn't occur to me that they couldn't coexist. I just would go to church and I would think it was like a little cute that it was like, this is how you're finding God. This is how you're becoming aware of the everything that is God. And, And I think as humans, and not to make it sound like I'm not a human or or better in any way or anything like that, but it's like, we sometimes need to put things into a category to like fully understand it. Absolutely. Or like put blinders on to like really conceptualize what we're seeing. Like we do it with everything. And I felt like for a time, I just really was like, this is there. They just have blinders on so that they can see this one part of God, that they can experience it and feel it because it's overwhelming when you're experiencing the everything and the nothing that is like super conscious or whatever. Absolutely. I was very annoying and very spiritually pretentious. (laughs) I think I'm a tiny bit better now. No, no, I see that though. And I think that's... I can see how you would have such a gigantic paradigm shift, but be like, it's okay that people are connecting to God differently. Totally. Because this might be one way that people can connect. Totally. To God. And, and I that's also, fine. I also believe and still believe to this day that like when you go looking for God, you can find him anywhere. It's like love. You can find love in very abusive relationships. You can find love with very toxic people. You can find love with people that you've never even met, form a parasocial relationship. Like love comes in many forms. And if you go looking for God, you can find bits and pieces of divinity everywhere that you look. So when I look at the church, I still see where I felt so connected to God and spirituality there. And why people still do. And why people still do. Despite problematic things that are going on at the same time. Yeah, Exactly. Because a lot of those divine pieces that they've picked up on are undeniable to them. And they've been told that if you deny the church, you're denying these undeniable things. And it's like, no, the undeniable thing that you're holding on to, it's everywhere and it's infinite and you can find it anywhere. You've had it anyway. Exactly. Yes. So palm reading came about just kind of rewinding a little bit. I always knew and was like taught and told by my like holistic mom, my holistic grandma, that your body speaks to you through pain and like disease. If anybody has ever heard of Louise Hay, she has a book called You Can Heal Your Body or Heal Your Body or something. I wanted to read this. Oh, it's so good. I haven't read any Louise Hay, but I I need to. I mean, where do you stand spiritually? I meant to ask that before. Yeah, I'm jiving with everything you're saying. I feel like I'm very much that paradigm shift you're talking Mm -hmm. about, I feel like I've been having that 
not all at once. Like I've been having that very gradually mm-hmm. as I've deconstructed. So I've, I kind of feel like I can relate in a huge way to mm-hmm. what you're saying, but it happened more for me, like scales slowly falling mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. where I was like, okay, I stepped away from Mormonism and then I started to kind of wonder about Christianity and then I started to wonder about my ideas of God and that expansiveness sort of happened to me mm-hmm. over like years of time. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say I feel very similarly to you. I'm actually glad you asked because I've had a number of people DM me and be like, well, what do you actually believe uh-huh. now? And I feel similarly. I feel like there's – I I'm learning to retap into my spirituality after having kind of a trigger around spirituality totally. because of Mormonism. And I feel like I'm learning – that I connect to a very expansive view of spirituality. Mm -hmm. And I love talking to people who connect with it differently through different modalities Mm -hmm. and through different practices. Mm -hmm. So in a nutshell, I think. I love that. I love the word expansive that you use is like, Mm. I don't think there's a better word for just spirit. It's like, it's everywhere. It's everything. Yes. So anyway, back to you would love Louise Hay. I need to read Louise Hay. She's like a little bit less spiritual and more about like your relationship with yourself. So I, those, her books were just like around our house growing up because again, they don't contradict anything about like, you can read that book as a full blown traditional believing Mormon and be like, hell yeah. Or I guess you'd say heaven. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) Um, and so I had those books in my house growing up. And so it always resonated with me that our bodies are trying to communicate with us. And I will never forget when I was 13, remember I was homeschooled, the biggest weirdo you've ever met. And I was at a party with other homeschoolers. Somehow still I was the weirdest person in the room. <laughs> Even and I was like, the homeschoolers. <laughs> I was like, I need a way to connect with these people. And so randomly I just opened my mouth and lied. And I was like, I can read poems. And people were like, okay, so read them. So I like, I think I ran to the bathroom with someone's phone to like look up how to do it. I found the WikiHow article. Incredible. I love so it. So it started with a lie. But for years I just like I went home and I was like, okay, I got to like actually learn how to do do this because that like went well Mm. and I was just desperate like I love being around people I love touching people so it was like that was great like I got to like hold people's hands and touch them like imagine the weirdest little 13 year old you've ever met and that was me no it's sweet though I mean in retrospect I'm like you're so cute and now I have this whole career so thank you yes Um, yes yes but anyway so it it was very sweet and I just spent the next couple of years like I would read about it if it ever came up like I would kind of forget that I was into it and then go back into it and I was always just doing it at parties or in a situation where I felt uncomfortable I would be like oh I'm gonna like do this yeah um and um I never really thought anything of it until I was in college and this was post spiritual awakening but like pre-leaving the church so mm-hmm. it was when I was like I that was living limbo. in BYU housing and just being like this is so cute that we're all like pretending <laughs> we're all pretending this way like this is so fun and so I was with all of my friends we were having a little party and I started reading palms and there was this one kid who I was reading his palm and I had never talked to him before he was like the quiet like too good for this guy in our guy friends group and I was reading his palm and he was like whoa this is like really resonating and I was like yeah okay and then he was like, no, this is really resonating. And he was the kind of person who would not just tell you that. Like he mm. would have taken delight in being like, you're an idiot. Yeah, this, this isn't is wrong. Real. Totally. So I was like, oh, my, is there something here? Like I'd been reading palms for 10 years and everybody had always been like, oh, this is great. And I thought they were just being nice. And that got me wondering like, what is really here? Mm. So then I started really, really studying and I stopped reading the books and the resources that were provided and I started kind of getting more spiritual with it and 
realizing that when I would touch people, like when I had their hand in my hand, there was a bit of like intuition happening there where it's Mm. like, yeah, I was reading the lines, but there was also like a little something else that was helping me get the details that really made people go like, oh, wow, there's something here. Yeah. And so I started like tapping into the more spiritual side of it. And again, didn't do anything with it like career wise or anything until um, a couple years later, I had finally like left the church and it was more of just being like, there's no reason to like keep coming and being like, Mm. this is so cute. Like I was married to my non-member husband. We didn't get married in the temple, obviously. And I was like, there's just not really any more point. And I was just so in love with all of the other spiritual modalities that I was finding like palm reading and I took a yoga teacher training and I was getting really into meditation and I felt so connected to everything else. And I just kind of got like, why would I, you know, spend my time here? And it is so problematic and it does cause so much pain to so many people and it causes a lot of good things for other people. But I just was like, I no longer felt called to going Mm. to Mormon church anymore. It just kind of got edged out by these other things that spoke to you more deeply. Exactly. And palm reading became my job just because there was um, a little bit of like a transition. I took a job and then first day there, I was like, oh, this is not it. But I had quit my other job. And so I went home that night and just to like distract me, I was like, well, I've been meaning to make a, an Instagram account about spirituality and palm reading just so I can post without annoying like my friends from high school. <laughs> I created the account and it just immediately got attention and just like took off. So it was like overnight and I was like, it never occurred to me that I would ever do this professionally yeah. or as much as I have. Um, but palm reading has really not been like palm reading was a really safe conduit for me to explore spirituality, but I would say it's not even like remotely the most empowering spiritual modality I've found since leaving Mormonism. Mm. It's just the one that feels the most like home to me. And I would say it's the only area where I have a gift, Mm. but it's not even my favorite. It's like the, I, I, the gift is to help other people. It's not for me type of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Sorry, that was like such a long-winded no, answer. Could have said I left the church answer. after I got married. <laughs> it's such a good answer. I am loving this. I have so many questions. I I want to dig more into what you were talking about with that intuition mm-hmm. because I I know very, very little about palm reading. So just to tell you where I'm coming from, literally almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Like I know, like my understanding of it is like you look at the lines on people's hands Mm -hmm. and can maybe ascertain certain things about their life Mm -hmm. so that's my knowledge of palm reading but I'm I think it's fascinating it sounds beautiful I I'm really interested about that intuition piece and and if you can tell me more more about that and how that's kind of developed and how that fits into your practice totally so I like I said I feel like I feel like the reason palm reading works is because I feel like your body is constantly trying to speak to you Mm. and I feel like that's just one way and I the intuition piece this is this is the interesting thing about spiritual gifts and intuition is any spiritual gift that anyone discovers they have they will tell you oh I've had this my whole life I just didn't realize it was special. I didn't believe it. I wasn't, you know, like thinking that it it was what it was. I have friends who are very gifted at like just randomly like predicting the future or knowing how something's going to turn out, knowing if somebody's lying and they just like, they could be told that for years, like you have this gift and they would never believe it until one day they're like, oh, that's how this feels. I know how it feels when something isn't going to pan out. It feels like this. And I felt that my whole life. Yeah. So that was where the intuitive piece of palm reading came in for me was 
I didn't realize how sensitive I had always been to other people's energy when I was touching them. And I love to touch people. I was always like the touchy friend. I was always, I'm, I'm a hugger, quote unquote, a very cuddly, like partner, very cuddly friend. And I didn't realize that that was because I was getting such a good read on the person that I was touching when I was touching them. Mm. So the only way that I can explain it when I'm reading is that I used to know how to read music. I don't anymore. But I remember that when when you are reading music or even maybe just when you're reading words, but like when you're reading music, you're not sitting there thinking like A, D, F sharp, whatever. It Like after a while when you're in the groove, it just is translated automatically mm. without words. Yes. In your mind. Yes. And, and you're playing and it's like muscle memory. And that's exactly how it is when I'm reading palms and I'm tapped in. And sometimes it's, and that's the gifted part. Like that's where sometimes somebody will be like, read my palm. And I'm like, we're in a Chili's right now. Like I can't like get that deep with you right now. Yes. Or I'm nervous or I'm not tuned in or something like that. Um, But it feels like reading music where it's just like, there's something here that's like, it's not coming from me. It's just being translated from what I'm looking at. And it usually comes in the form of me being like, oh, I don't know why. I, you know, would have said that, like I did a reading last night on a woman and she said, you know, three years ago you did a palm reading on me and you you told me that my heart line was like broken. It was underdeveloped that I hadn't really found my way of like loving people. And she was like, I was really mad at the time because I had been married for 23 years. Mm. And I was like, why isn't my love line showing this, you know, long marriage that I've had? And then she, she came back for another reading last night and she was like, yeah, now I get it. Like that, that marriage was basically me just like taking care of Ooh. my husband. Like he was another child. And now that I've actually fallen in love post-divorce, now I know. And we read her line and it was completely different. Whoa. So it's, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like me personally, I do not have the guts to tell a married woman that it's like, oh, by the way, like your yes. heart line shows that you don't feel connected to your partner. Like I'd never have the guts to say that. So yeah. if I'm saying something that, human me is like ooh, that was bold that was ballsy I know that I'm tapped into something else yeah yeah Ooh, okay I'm thinking a few things one thing as you were describing that I was thinking of language when Mm -hmm. you learn another language they kind of talk about it similarly to what you're saying with learning to read music Mm -hmm. where they say when you know you've become proficient at a language is when you stop translating it Mm. so you stop saying like I learned German because I served a mission in Germany you did yes the whole thing the whole the whole damn thing oh gosh (laughs) yeah believe it or not sometimes I can't believe it but I think that's how I can relate to what you're saying because I don't read music but you get to a point where you're you're essentially thinking in German. You're not mm-hmm. thinking in English and then translating totally. to speak it. Totally. And I can see how that, yeah, it's like it's being in the zone. Like there's so many ways that you can feel that. And the thing that I keep thinking, which I'm sure you get this so much, is like how desperate people are to be understood mm-hmm. and seen in the way you're describing. Like I feel this energy right now where I'm like, oh, I want that so bad mm-hmm. because it's so – you know, that's just such an innate human desire is like to be seen in that way by someone who's willing to like actually connect with your energy Mm -hmm. to, to like, for example, I love getting massaged and I'm always after a massage, like, where was I tight? Like, Uh what are my muscles telling you about me? Mm -hmm. Because I don't always know. And I had this incredible, um, masseuse when I was, uh, pregnant and I would always go to her and she'd be like, you've been clenching your jaw. And I was like, oh, really? Mm -hmm. Like, but she could know that from like how my shoulders were feeling and how, and I, 
I love that shit. I think yeah. everyone loves that shit. Like people want to know themselves better. Uh-huh. I think we're all seeking to know ourselves better. And when we can find other people who are willing to connect with our energies in that way and like help teach us about ourselves, I think that's just something that everyone wants and totally. what a beautiful gift to be able to offer people. Totally. Well, thank you. And that's, I mean, for me, I feel the exact same way. And it's just that, that, that was the most revolutionary part of leaving the church for me was realizing that I'm an individual and I don't have one purpose and it's the exact same purpose as everyone else. And yep. it's come rain or shine and yep. to the end as a member of the Mormon church, I have a, a huge deep purpose and that I am exactly equipped to fulfill that purpose as who I genuinely am and not and same thing with everyone like the amount of acceptance and love that I feel for the people in my life now um like post-Mormon yeah is because I've learned to see them as individuals and even the things that I don't like about them could be the things that are the most aligned and the most real about them mm. versus you know in the church there's a standard there's a way of being and you can check mark off like well she's dressed immodestly she's not wearing her garments or she's not being very Christ-like right now and you feel justified in you know saying that they are bad or wrong for the things they're doing as opposed to saying like maybe it's completely within her purpose to trigger you with what she's doing right Mm. now and that has brought me so much healing in all of my like familial relationships like those closest relationships that get the most complicated and convoluted and it's also brought me the most like I was reading my mom's charts a couple weeks ago her charts her palm like I finally got my parents to let me read their palms like oh cool that was the highlight of my life so I was cool like, thank you yeah um but I was reading my mom's chart and one of them was you know um an aspect of one of her charts was if she is you know triggered or repressed in a certain characteristic of hers it could manifest as feeling very um attached to or dogmatic to a religion and feeling like that's a really safe place for her to land and just recognizing like there's a beautiful part inside of her that just this is how she feels so safe and I don't know if maybe I'm just not as empathetic as people who can just kind of be like oh yeah like everybody's clearly doing their best but it really 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 helps me to be able to have modalities to see people clearly yeah and see where these things that bug or rub the wrong way are actually just gifts Mm. so palm reading has been so amazing for that but also astrology human design gene keys um I've studied shamanism that one was not for me though Mm. I just will say like Mm. I studied shamanism but what you were saying I know a really amazing shamanic masseuse Mm. where she'll do a whole massage on you and like move like the energy through reflexology I've studied a little bit there's so many amazing modalities outside of Mormonism that are specifically geared toward like understanding you and your purpose and understanding other people, which has just helped my acceptance for other people so much. Yeah, yeah. Because you're actually, again, seeking to really understand them, meet them where they're at, understand Mm -hmm. why they are the way they are. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said about Mormonism having a very reductive, that's maybe has a negative connotation, but I do think it's a bit reductive to think Mm -hmm. all humans should behave a certain way, should essentially, yeah, do the same types of things Mm -hmm. to live the most fulfilled, enriched life. And be happy. And be happy. Yes. Well, especially, and then you bring gender into it and it's like men act this way, men do this, women do this. Exactly. And that was such a, like a revelation for me as a woman 
to learn, to be able to like look at my palms and read the messages of my body, like even outside of that and recognize like I'm a tall, loud person. I don't... I don't feel the need to do what other people tell me. I don't feel any responsibility to fulfill other people's expectations of me. And as a woman in the church, what a nightmare. Like I was constantly doing things being like, why the fuck am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Like this doesn't make any sense to me. It made me so angry, so mad. And I could never figure out why I was doing these things. Um, and then just like diving into who I actually am as a person. It's like I could have lived my whole life in anger without ever even like expressing my gifts, but ever just feeling at peace. And like, I don't have to be putting on a mask 24 seven because as a woman in the church, I'm supposed to be a spiritual follower, like period the end. Even if I'm Relief Society president, it's like you're a spiritual follower. And it's like, I'm not supposed to spiritually follow anyone or anything. I'm not, you know, like if anything, I'm more of a leader, even if I'm just leading myself, like there's no part of me that's happy taking, like being like, hmm, random guy from my neighborhood uh-huh. what does god want for me when it's yeah. like you can sit down and get am quiet, i worthy <laughs> literally or yeah. to like touch the grass and that's a better connection to god for me yeah a hundred percent totally a hundred percent yeah i think that that's what's so exciting about leaving mormonism is stepping into self in mm-hmm. that authentic way and i really like the point you made about reading your mom's palm because that helps me also garner empathy for people where Again, I always disclaim the problematic, unethical, harmful things aside, why certain people gravitate to Mormonism Mm -hmm. or any other religion Mm -hmm. because different people are very, very different and they're going to find self-expression. You know, I guess just to say that there are people in Mormonism where that for this myriad of reasons might really suit them spiritually. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate that it comes with all its other shit, but it, it does help, I think in understanding people. And I think that's a, a healthy thing to cultivate as a post Mormon too. Yeah. Because I know I've had these phases. I know many people who do, who are like, let's take the church down. Mm -hmm. Like where I feel like if let's, let's hold the church accountable. Yes. And, but I, yeah, just having empathy for people and understanding like this might work for you based on a whole lot of things, based on how you were raised, based on who you are, on how your genes are expressing, like you're saying, based on your spiritual energy. And that is a much, I think, healthier perspective to have as opposed to like you're brainwashed and blind. And totally. And then also the church is kind of brainwashy. Like it's really, it's absolutely hard. And I'm like, pretty dumb so it was hard for me to like see past that like Mm. the circular thinking thing I mean the phrase like doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith Mm. kept me in probably for a solid five years yes Yes. it's a a loop it's circular thinking yeah but my question for you as you're talking about this is do you think that the church will ever okay because I mean like rewinding a few you know decades they you know it was like polygamy is the core pillar of our church until it's illegal and then no more polygamy and racism is this core pillar of our church until that's illegal and then no more racism yeah so do you think that the church will change and adapt as they are no longer able to discriminate the way that they have and be problematic in the ways they have yeah i'm curious what you think too i think not fast enough i don't think fast and enough i think either. that's what's happening right now and that's why I see right now the church digging its heels in Mm -hmm. as a response, which I think is (laughs) ill-advised. I mean, like hire a better PR team. Yeah, absolutely. But I think they're going to continue catering to 
the highest tithe payers, mm. which are old, retired. I hadn't thought of true that. True blue. I hadn't thought of that. I think like that's, catering to the beliefs. Wow, I really hadn't thought I of that. I think that's the bigger thing because I know as much as we were feeling upset as church members when they were spewing homophobic and sexist rhetoric, the older g- generation of membership, some of them, a mm-hmm. lot of them, dare I say, are feeling really upset when there's ever any slight hints of progress so I feel like they're catering to that generation Mm -hmm. but that's what's going to be interesting to see yeah because I I mean and I always wonder too I'm like I is this just the people I'm paying attention to obviously doing this podcast I talk to a lot of people leaving the church but it really continues to shock me how many people I feel like are leaving the church Mm -hmm. and how surprised I continue to feel Mm -hmm. and it's something that will it will have to be reckoned with yeah. by the church. Yeah. And I think at some point they're going to have to, they're either going to get increasingly fringe mm-hmm. or they're going to do their very damnedest, which will likely be too little too late, but to yeah keep up. Wow. That's such an, I hadn't really not considered how much they're probably catering to people who would be offended by mm. the other side. Cause I'm like, why would you not just, yeah. I don't know, like assimilate a little. Like exactly. clearly this is so hateful, so harmful. You can see that it's harmful. Like people are telling you it's harmful. And also history has shown that like when push comes to shove, you will have like you're, you will buckle, you will bend, you will yes. assimilate. Yeah, you, will- you have. Yes, many exactly. Times. And it, you know, like that the way things are going, like this is going to happen in the future. So like, why not just like put two and two together and get ahead of the curve just a little do bit? It. Yeah. I really hadn't thought of that. That is such an interesting perspective. I've always thought like I've always been, you know, like they're going to give like women are going to have the priesthood in the next mm. couple decades. Like, isn't that already a temple thing? I didn't go through the temple. So isn't that already kind of like kind a temple of. thing? Kind of. Okay. I feel like the, like there'll be enough there that they yes. can, you know, justify, justify that this was always supposed to happen yeah. or something like that. Or, yeah. I don't know. Like yeah. I've, I've always felt like that was going to be the case at some point. Yeah. I wonder, I'm super fascinated to see it's, I always try and tap back into like, what would like progressive Mormon Haley think mm-hmm. what would like because it's hard to be on this side of things where I feel like so far out of it mm-hmm. to be like it tapped in at all to what the people in the church like might still even want yeah totally, totally. <laughs> you know what I mean but yeah I think that's all a really fascinating conversation and it's just the wrestle that always inevitably comes back up of having people is your family still are your parents still Mormon? Oh, they just moved to Missouri for the second coming. You no, like DM'd I'm, me that. I'm literally not kidding. This last week. And you know what? Like every now and then I get a shiver down my spine thinking mm. of my parents like listening to this because they, my parents love to be haters of me. Mm. Um, I think it's fun for them like in a way. Like I think, I think it's fun for anyone to like listen and, and feel so validated in your own beliefs by hearing someone like be so disagreeable to your beliefs. I know, I know, I know. So um, I always think about like, like no shade to my parents, except for like I did yell and scream and plead. I was like, please don't take all my little siblings and mm, move to Missouri. Like it was so painful. That's but, hard. Oh my gosh, it was so hard. And um, anyway, so yeah, this last week they packed everything up. They just barely moved to Missouri. They don't even have land or a house. They're going, they're going to do the whole off grid thing for the end of the world, which is kind of funny because I'm like, well, I'm, I'm fine with living off grid in a more hippie way. Like, sure. Maybe we'll live off grid and do mushrooms. Like yeah, I'll come have live a garden. On, yeah. On the <laughs> back farm. of your lot and like, you know, whatever. 
So, which is super painful. And I've had like, as I've talked about my parents moving to Missouri. So I'm very close with my younger siblings. I'm the second oldest and my youngest sibling is eight. Mm. So there's a lot of kids still at home and I'm very close with them. And it was really hard for me when they said that they were moving. And I've had a lot of people ask me like, like I told this one girl what was happening and she was like, oh, fuck the church. And I was like, I don't actually feel like fuck the church over something like this because my family wouldn't be my family. And I probably wouldn't even have all of those siblings if it weren't mm. for the church. Like who has nine kids for non-religious reasons and who homeschools nine kids for non-religious reasons? Like I grew up taking care of those babies because I was at home because I was homeschooled. So it was like, I I mean, it's it's really weird to try to find where... Like in order to not hate myself, I can't hate all of Mormonism. Yeah. And so when they told me that they're moving to Missouri, I was like, here comes my hating the church phase. And I've just been surprised that it's like, I can't, like for my own well-being, I can't stay in that place for very long because it's too, it makes me hate myself because the Mm. Mormonism is baked in. Like I'm scared to go anywhere on Sundays still. I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm afraid that the world's going to end. Like I work through all these things in therapy. Those things are not like intrinsically part of me, but for my day-to-day experience, like those things still live in me and I can't hate the church fully or else I will have to hate parts of myself. And I just, I won't let it win. And I won't let it make me hate my parents. Like my parents, the interesting thing about the church that I feel is like, I don't know, I, there was this some statistic, like 40 years ago, 90% of America was actively Christian and identified as Christian, went to church at least multiple times a year. So, and when you look at Christianity, there are a lot of, for the time, there are a lot of Christianity sects that have a lot of really hard things, such as if somebody dies and they haven't been saved, well, they're just in hell, period, the end. Yeah. And so I can see why one, two generations ago, the church was this amazing thing for Ooh, my ancestors to find. Where Almost progressive. In absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And also, okay, so I listened to, if anyone is like... If anyone is maybe on the fence, like, did you get a lot of like progressive Mormons who listen? I think so. Yes. So I loved listening to, if you can handle a few crass but hilarious jokes, the episode of Time Suck with Dan Reynolds. I think Maddie referenced this in hers. Ooh, I haven't listened to it. Wait, Dan Cummins, not Dan Reynolds. Dan Reynolds is the Imagine Dragon guy. He's hot. Oh, Um, Dan Reynolds. Dan Cummins. Anyway. Freudian slip there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But the Mormonism episode, he talks about how. He's, he's never been Mormon. He's, so he's just talking about the history. Yeah. And he was like, imagine, you know, a hundred years ago, you're in the church, you're coming from a, a Baptist church where you've had a baby die who wasn't baptized. Mm. So you believe they're burning in hell, half your family's burning in hell. And your best shot at heaven is you're going to be an angel who sings God's praises. And then in comes this missionary who says, your family who's died can still be saved. You'll get to be together forever. And not only that, but you get to be a god someday. That's like a pretty sweet sell. And that's going to provide you with comfort that's not available anywhere else at that time. Yeah. And now with the exposure that we have to so many different schools of thought, so many different religions, and also so many different spiritual modalities that are not so like secular and like secular is probably not the right word, but like nuclear family oriented. It, that's why it doesn't make as much sense to us to keep clinging to these things because for me, it's like, I don't think about, you know, when I think about the afterlife, I'm not worried about like, am I going to be with my family? I'm like, we're all one. Like you couldn't, in death or in life, you couldn't separate totally. me from my family 
no matter what you exactly. try, there's no point. Like there, there is no together or separate. Like we're the same thing. We yeah. are all just a part of the fabric of the universe, like as close or as distant as anything else. Mm. And I feel like you don't need an authority anymore. I feel like that's a huge yes. piece of what's shifting is like at that time, super fascinating to think about. I've never thought about that as Mormonism being like a progressive, more right? like compassionate God totally. of Mormonism. But I feel like that's something that's really, really happening that I'm sensing is we we are starting to realize we can believe what we want to believe about the afterlife. Mm-hmm. I don't need to find someone who's like interpreted the Bible a certain way mm-hmm. or who has an afterlife experience that they're sharing about. Like, I don't feel like I need that mm-hmm. to have any sort of... Like, for me, it's kind of a funny thing when people ask about my beliefs. I'm like, I kind of just, like, this feels right. Like, Uh this feels like this is maybe what the afterlife is like. Or this is even what I hope it's like or what I want it to be like. Mm -hmm. And we no longer need people in authority to, like, validate Mm -hmm. us. And if anything, we push against that because we feel in our souls wait, that doesn't feel like what I think the afterlife would be like. Totally. And our relationship with authority has completely changed, I think, a lot because of the internet where personal experiences are so accessible. Like I think about how when the church... they lifted their racism ban or whatever. Like it had always been there where black people couldn't have the priesthood. Yep. When that, like if if you think about being a black person at that time, I'm sure black people probably knew more, but like the white members of the church, um, you know, it's the church comes out with this announcement, like black people can be sealed in the temple. They can have the priesthood now. And you don't have instant access to hundreds of black members sharing their experience of like, you know, why six months ago I wasn't allowed to get sealed before my husband died. And now I am just because you say those personal experiences that would really change hearts and minds. You didn't have, you just had the authority and then like the two black members of your ward And that's it. And now we have like the authority has been a little bit decentralized, which I think has created a a lot of weirdness in a lot of ways. Like Mm. that's why people are so weird politically is, Mm. you know, we don't trust the CDC to tell us what's going on with COVID. We trust our neighbor. We don't need credibility in the same way too. And and so, I mean, obviously there's pros and cons, but I think one of the big pros is we've realized what a fucking lie. Yeah. um, Authority is because you realize like these people have been humanized. Like, that's just a person. They're not God. They're not special. They're not other. And especially as women, like we also know, no, we no longer need, like our husband is in our authority. So it's just the idea of having authority now over something so personal is like kind of bizarre. It's like kind of, it's like hilarious and weird and upsetting in the same way as like, let's just tie it all together. Like abortion rights. Like, why are you going to tell me what I can do with my body? Exactly. It's all just weird. Like, I don't know. I feel like that's a very new thing, probably because of the internet or maybe education. Totally. Well, I feel like there's a a really, I've been, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about for better or for worse, because I think it can be really good. I think it can be sometimes dangerous, but there's an increased skepticism even around government authority Mm -hmm. and, you know, religious authority. And I think in big part, not only to the personal experiences which you're speaking about, which I also think is a really beautiful concept mm-hmm. of like how so many people have left Mormonism because they were able to connect with experiences beyond their own and hear mm-hmm. about people who've been harmed in a way that wasn't accessible before, but also just information, mm-hmm. right? Like now when, you know, you can look up what Elder Holland said 15 years ago yes. and it was really fucking shitty mm-hmm. where 
that wasn't a thing before. Oh my gosh, you're totally right. You'd have to go digging through boxes of old enzymes. Literally go to the library. And you just never would. No, you never would. And the church has done a phenomenal job Mm -hmm. with the internet being what it is, Mm -hmm. a phenomenal job at keeping people off of just like dot org websites about general history Uh which is so fascinating to me Mm -hmm. myself being one of them like literally unwilling until deep in my deconstruction to just like who was joseph smith in google because i felt i had been so convinced that that was such a terrible thing to do yeah but i it always comes back to tiktok always doesn't everything (laughs) always why why is it this way tiktok I think is really interesting because I think it's serving people information that they're not necessarily seeking out. Mm -hmm. And I would be not surprised if I found out about people encountering information about Mormonism specifically Mm -hmm. on TikTok in a way that they weren't like Xmo TikTok, but it's like TikTok knows you live in Utah and I just posted some shit about Joseph Smith and it's being served to someone who's like, oh, it's totally it's becoming even I think there's going to be a new wave where it's not even people seeking out that information but mm-hmm. the information is so much more it just kind of present. finds you yeah, yeah finds you, you in a different way and I think about like young minds and how easily molded they are and it was like by the time I was like 16 it was like Mormonism was in their sealed locking key no leaks and literally the one leak that there was the one little window to the outside world was like oh well energy work is fine which was the little window Mm. that led me down my spiritual path yeah and I think the other really interesting thing that the internet has invited in is that primal need to not get kicked out of the tribe well, now, for better or for worse, you can find a tribe on the internet. No like, matter what. <laughs> I did palm reading for like 10 years before I started doing it professionally, and it never occurred to me to charge for a palm reading, to try to do it on a wider scale because I live in Utah. And I think even if I went down the street and it was like free palm readings, I would get like two people. Yeah. But on the internet, you can instantly connect to people who are you know from all over the place or who maybe wouldn't admit I get tons of like secret Mormons who are like I'm a Mormon but like I've just I my other friend who's Mormon got it and she said it's kind of like a patriarchal blessing I'm like it certainly I've been is thinking about chair. patriarchal blessings I have I, did you get one yes did you get one? Oh, I got one okay I'm so curious that what I want to talk about here with patriarchal blessings and palm reading I'm sure you face a lot of skepticism uh-huh. from Mormons, probably even post-Mormons. And I think that maybe comes from two different places. One is Mormons who think, like, that's outside of the authority. Like, we have specific authority. This is, like, priestcraft, maybe. Mm-hmm. But then I wonder if you get also skepticism from post-Mormons who are actually more on this side of, like, well, I'm nervous to ever let anybody tell me anything about Absolutely. myself. Absolutely. Which I... I respect so much and I feel so grateful to come from where I come from because you will never catch me doing a palm reading and being like, you're going to get divorced because Mm. I just don't think life works that way. I fully, I, and I mean, I'm a manifestation girly in the fullest sense of like, you are co-creating your life experience. There is not one second of your path that is planned out the way it has to be or anything like that. Like you choose it. So when I read palms, it's really like looking at the trajectory it's it's just like looking at a gps like this Mm. is the destination you're headed toward now but i can see 30 other side streets you can go down i can see you taking a whole different path altogether and also like at any moment you can just change your life and pivot and go down a path that like even i can't see right now so it's i feel like the most helpful thing is you know if you find someone who maybe they 
are in a relationship and they're like, well, I want this relationship to work. How can I do that? That's the kind of thing you can see right here in, in a palm is not, oh, you guys are doomed, but it's more like you've already completely pulled away from this relationship mm. and that's probably not going to help you, you know, come together. So is there a way that you can try to like engage in a more safe way or are you, you know, you're so pulled out of the relationship. Are you maybe looking, you know, are you secretly looking for somebody to tell you that like it's going to be over and there's nothing you can do? It's a lot more like that because yeah. I do and and I would never, I would never want to try to like, I don't want spiritual authority over anyone either. I don't, nobody's going to have spiritual authority over me and I'm not going to have spiritual authority over anyone. And I think that's been the best part about being in Utah and having so many of my clients live in Utah is they're freaking discerning and they are, they're nobody's bitch. Like mm. they, they got out of something. They do not want to get pulled back into anything else weird. And I feel like I can meet them right there where it's like, this is the path you're on. These are the gifts you have. Mm. And and sometimes that can be frustrating for people who come and they want the experience of like, am I going to meet my soulmate? Mm. And it's like, you, you are creating your life. Like you are creating your life and currently you're completely closed down to being seen. So you could meet your soulmate, but you're not going to click. Maybe less. Yeah. Likely. Yeah. You're not being your real self. Like there's nothing to like, there's no soul being shown to each other. So that's a bit more what it's like. I mean, when I do my readings and I really shy away from anything, like I'm not in love with tarot because it's so, I I mean, at least I've experienced like tarot readings are very like cut and dry. Mm. I like things that leave room to open to interpretation. And so my palm readings do kind of read, they're they're more vague than I think a patriarchal blessing is sometimes yeah. because it's all about like this is what you're creating right now and if you don't like it if every single thing I say you hate and it, or you don't even believe me like that's completely fine and yeah. I don't care and I also don't do readings on people like if I even get the vibe that somebody's like somebody bought one for their boyfriend mm. and, and he's a skeptic I'm like I don't I'm not like interested yeah like I'm not interested in proving myself I'm not interested like I don't want your money like it's this is a soul thing for me. Totally. Well, I love how you explain that because a patriarchal blessing to me feels very much like if you do this, then you'll get this. Mm-hmm. And they're also just, you know, there's lots we could say about patriarchal blessings. Yeah. What tribe are you in? Um, Ephraim. <sighs> so boring. Classical white person not? answer. No, I'm, I'm, are you kidding me? I'm very much from tribe of Ephraim. Okay. I was going to Patri- say. The patriarch was not straining any muscles when it came to creativity online. Mine was like, you'll have kids. And you'll be a faithful, yeah, whatever. Mine was like, you'll go to the temple. Oh, I was like, oh. will I really? <laughs> what I love though about palm reading, how you explained it, is it feels so much more. It's not even really future telling. Totally, it's about who you are in the present, the energy you're giving. Mm-hmm. Where patriarchal blessings don't do any of that. It's opposite of that. It feels totally. again reductive of like. If you are faithful and keep these commandments, then you will go to the temple and mm-hmm. have a family where this feels so much richer mm-hmm. to be like, this is kind of, yeah, like what's happening for you right now. Mm-hmm. And this is what could continue to happen. Again, as you said, if you stay on the same journey. Yeah. And it's about like the, I mean, again, when I when I think of manifestation, which I think is also another like, that's kind of a gateway for I think religious people in general, because you're like, oh, it's like praying kind of. Um, But when it comes to manifestation, it's like, I believe that like what you hold inside is eventually mirrored outside of you in a life experience of some sort. And with palm reading, it's a lot like just looking at like, these are kind of the energies that you're holding or the wounds that you're holding. And at some point, this wound might show up to be healed in Mm. the form of like, 
you know, maybe you have an abandonment wound that, you know, you got from childhood and you can clear this now. Like you can do this work, acknowledge this fear now. Like those are the kinds of tools I try to give people. And I would never threaten like, or you'll get abandoned later in the future, but just like this exists within you. Yeah. And that can keep you from feeling fully safe and intimate in your partnership. And that lack of safety or intimacy could by default end up deteriorating the relationship or something like that. And then on the opposite end, like you can see tremendous healing. Like it's really crazy. You can see there's a difference between the two hands and your non-dominant hand usually holds the energies that like you're born with and your dominant hand shows more what's going on with you now. Mm. So you can see some people are born with a lot of trauma that's just like dumped on them and you can see so much healing in where they they're at and where they're going and they've like chosen a life for themselves. I've seen people, one of the first readings I did I was like, you're like the energy that you were born into is very different than what you're carrying around. Like, were you like, and she's like, oh, I was adopted. And I was like, that makes perfect sense because it's like you were born into this one energy. And then the way that you were taught, the way that you, you know, have chosen to show up in life, the parents that raised you, I took you on a completely different path. Like, I don't think that there's ever a set path that you have to follow. I think that you're soul's intention with like incarnating in this lifetime I think there's certain things that you're here to experience and heal from just for yourself like certain experiences that you want to have and that's more what shows up in a palm reading Mm. and it's really not about like your soulmate you'll make lots of money it's like if you're going to make lots of money what's that experience going to give you it's not like you have lots of money so you consider counting your dollars what does that even mean yeah like what's the expression of your soul that's going to come through and be available because of the money that you'll make yeah Ooh, I'm thinking a lot too as you were saying that about another way of viewing Mormonism I was talking about this with friends just the other day and we were saying like and you've mentioned this throughout this interview but you can't you literally cannot divorce Mormonism from Mm -hmm. the soul from the person and that is such a cool way of looking at it, how you were describing this. Like, I think I'm, I truly am. And I know not everybody feels this way, but I truly am so grateful for Mormonism Mm -hmm. because even the traumas that Mormonism inflicted upon me made me who I am now. And I fucking love who I am now. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad I'm who I am now. And even though my family life wasn't perfect, even though I had all these things, I'm like, I can't imagine a life with different traumas or even with less traumas. Like this is, this is the life. This is the, that's made me and that you know that I've expressed myself through and I feel like that seems like a really cool the way you describe that kind of helped that click for me of yeah you can't separate those things yeah I feel just in my experience with working with different people on like a deep spiritual level is post-mormons are very self-referencing which I think is one of the most valuable things you can be like in life and very discerning and they're very empowered like I don't Mm. think it's possible to I mean, I think that there's probably ways of like getting your heart broken by the church where you just like can't hold on any longer and then you're lost for a long time, which is really heartbreaking. And I think we've all been there, but um, I don't think very many people leave the church feeling like totally disempowered. Like it takes, I mean, it's like, it's like divorcing your parents. Like there has never been a me without Mormonism. And so extracting yourself from Mormonism is like being born again it's like you know you've been held in this little bubble and for the first time you're like out in the world and it's so scary and so I think anyone who can find their way through that is just an amazing person like a like a stronger person or even finding like I am person I love like progressive Mormons like I think people get very annoyed with them but Mm -hmm. I would rather have like I would rather have 50 people in the pews at church who are you know pro-gay 
anti-racist, you know, all of these things that don't really fit into the structure of the church. Like, hell yeah, like be, you know, because then you're, that person's going to get called to be the young woman's leader who is not going to say, you know, being gay is wrong, who will, you know, covertly try to slip in, you know, like, well, I have to teach these modesty standards, but your worth is not tied to that. And you are not responsible for boys' thoughts. Like, who's not even going to plant those thoughts in their heads? So who can help change the narrative? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like, I think, like I do, I have so much appreciation for people on all ends of the spectrum and I, I just I feel like that's a gift that palm reading has kind of given me of just seeing people's soul express in really beautiful ways even though it's not the way like especially when it conflicts with how I feel called to live my life I'm almost always certain like it can almost always be felt that it's like they are doing something that their soul called them here to do by what they're doing mm-hmm. unless it's like really harmful I think that's almost always just like a runoff of trauma like trauma begetting trauma begetting mm-hmm. trauma begetting trauma yeah it sounds like you have to be very 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 non-judgmental in order to be a good palm reader I think so and I think that's I mean honestly that's I have a hard time making judgment calls when I need to so I think it's like again it's like my all of my open-mindedness to a fault all of my naivety to a fault all of my even not even like even not reading social cues like being able to read somebody's hand and they're, they're like am I gonna get a divorce and you're like well if you keep doing what you're doing yeah, <laughs> yeah. or somebody being like is see this? I would never be brave yeah. I mean it's <laughs> I, I think it was the reason I was homeschooled I'd be like you're so good girl like, like you're fine no he's great <laughs> every time I've ever had somebody like and I haven't had the guts to read it and be like yes you'll be together forever yeah. I'm always like you're going to make so much money. I know, and totally. Be forever married. <laughs> totally. So, and it's just, it's not helpful to people if you can't, you know, tell them, like, yeah. like you know, if you're coming to me for help and I'm not even going to try to help you yep. because you're going to like me better if I yes. placate you for, you know, you have to be honest. Months. Yeah. That's why it sounds like a lot of really cool dualities that you're having to hold because yeah. you're trying to be non judgmental, but you also need to be like very radically honest. Yeah. Like, it's a lot of space holding that sounds really enriching mm-hmm. and also difficult. Like I can imagine that takes a lot of emotional energy to yeah. show up in that way. Totally. And honestly, just being a, being post-Mormon in Utah is like, you just have to like, we are all better at being ourselves than I think a lot of people who haven't experienced being in such a tight community yeah. that judges you on every level of like what you're worth. I think like going, like moving outside of that is just like, I have been so rejected by the closest people in my life because of what I believe that somebody, some random person being a little irritated at me because of something that I read when I'm, I'm trying my, you know, honest best. Yes. And they're like, we're meeting in this place of knowing that I don't have authority over them. And it's just a conversation that we're having and take what resonates, leave what doesn't like, I, I can't even bring myself to be like, nervous about to care yeah, yeah to care or like when people comment mean things on the internet and I'm like exactly you think that you're gonna say something to me that like exactly. hasn't been said to me by somebody that I actually exactly care about? I feel like with post-mormonism there's so much bravery required mm-hmm. to be openly post-mormon especially if you're living in Utah that it almost makes you feel invincible in some yeah. ways it's like I literally like you cannot hurt me uh-huh. well I'm sure the comments like some of the comments that you get yeah. are so like reductive and yes mean. it doesn't even those those yeah. type of comments I was talking about this with Kylie Kadich who I was telling her I'm like I need to have her on the podcast and give like a non-Mormon Utah was, culture yes. would be so fascinating totally so I will I'm super excited for that but I was talking about TikTok and we were saying like comments when I get comments from people who are pretty obviously active Mormon and they're like oh you left the church like get a new personality, like that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Literally 
could not care less. I'm like, awesome. You just gave me a comment on yes, my TikTok. Yes, 100%. The thing that does get to me is when people are like, hey, like, I actually experienced this type of trauma and the way that you've spoken to your leaving the church feels like a little hurtful to the kind mm. of trauma. Like, people who are actually... <laughs> empathetic to a certain extent uh-huh. or willing to actually engage mm-hmm. but even if they're mean about it those are the things that hurt me because Kylie and I were saying like we just don't want to hurt people's feelings totally. but if people are just being like dumbasses, I'm like I yeah. couldn't care less but when I sense like oh something I said or the language I used mm-hmm. like that TikTok that we were just talking about about complaining about Bentley my husband not making Mother's Day dinner <laughs> so many people just don't care, don't care, don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, you're a dumb bitch. Okay, don't care. You're a whatever. But when there's people engaging that are like, hey, like, y- you know, the way that you've spoken to this by referring to all men is maybe X, Y, Z. Like, those are the kind of comments where it's like, oh, like, I can't be everything for everyone, but I yes. want to be because I don't yeah. want to hurt people. And that's something that's really difficult in the post-Mormon space that I think anyone who listens to this podcast can tell I wrestle with very openly mm-hmm. is really trying so hard to cultivate a community that is and I need a better word for it but respectful to an extent or like Mm -hmm. willing to hold space for the nuance of Mm -hmm. post-Mormonism because that's what I felt like was a little bit missing in the post-Mormon space yeah but even holding that nuance can feel hurtful and triggering to certain people oh my gosh you literally you actually can't win and not even in a frustrating way like a hurtful way exactly but that's why I love the concept of like girls camp is it's Mm. like it's integration like we all loved girls camp Mm. like even if we all have a weird memory of you know like having to wear a t-shirt at the pool because the priesthood holders were there and and testimony meeting was weird and uncomfortable it's like most of us had a good time at girls camp and it's it's like a culture thing it's like it's integration and that's what I think is so important about the post-Mormon experience is being able to integrate so that you're not constantly hurting over just the things that you can't control. And I also think what's interesting about, you know, what you said about, like when people talk about post-Mormons being like, well, why can't you just leave the church and shut up about it? It's like, I am what you made me. You told me to not hide my light under a bushel. You told me to fearlessly share my faith. You told me to try to lead people to light. And now that I found what feels like so much light, I, I don't have it in me. Like it's not even wired in my brain to be like, well, what if I don't, you know, like, what if they don't like me for this? It's like from the moment I was, you know, seven years old, I was being told to invite my friends to church. And I was singing the songs and I was doing all the things. Bearing my, ooh, I have full body chills. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. That is so resonant with me because I really do feel that. Like, Uh I'm doing what I was taught to do. I'm like bearing my fucking testimony. Exactly. And I, I was the little girl who was like truly eight years old, like walking up to the stand because I wanted to be like, this is what I believe and this is what I think. And I wanted, you know, I wanted to share that. And yeah, I'm going to keep doing that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm also going to share, like, it's not always flattering Mm -hmm. to the Mormon church. Like I was talking about that the other day. I was like, I'm going to share what I feel and what I think in my opinions and my life because I want to, because that is rewarding and fulfilling to me. And if it's not always flattering to the institution of the LDS church, that's not my job totally. to protect that institution. I mean, you the know? institution's doing just fine. They exactly. take all the 18-year-olds and get them two exactly. years of, know. like, you know, know, marketing for them. Exactly. Like, it's – I have the right to do that, and I mm-hmm. love what you said. I was even taught to do those things. Yeah. And, like, I am now expressing a lot of what Mormonism made me. Like, this was part of what I was talking about with my friends with 
post-Mormonism is like, we are like sometimes definitely to a fault, but you almost feel like a machine of a human being Mm -hmm. in some ways because Mormonism is so high demand and we did it. We did the high demand stuff and we like put ourselves through that. And we, we, I think a lot of post-Mormons are like highly efficient again, sometimes to a fault. We Mm -hmm. have like the industriousness. There's all these characteristics that are now manifesting very much outside of the church. And it's really interesting to watch Uh because I've noticed that in the post-Mormon community of people like having all of those characteristics, but then of course they're expressing in very, very different ways. Totally. And just think about, I feel like it's such like that's when I know how hard it is for especially a lot of post-Mormons who are very vocal and very angry and seeing the comments of people being like, well, why don't you just shut up? I think Indy Blue said one time she was like, I discovered something that felt so important to me Mm. and I just wanted to share it with my family so much because I love them so much. And I felt like we'd been lied to and I was scared and I was upset. I don't want to put words in her mouth. I think it was something to this effect, but um, you know, she was like, why would I not try to share that with the people that I love most? And so I feel like whenever I get a little nervous about anything I'm doing, I just think about how proud all versions of me would Mm. be to know that every day I wake up, I try to help people. I'm so spiritually in tune. I've dedicated my life to my beliefs. Like if you strip away the labels, think about how young Haley would feel about like you have a podcast where you're sharing your beliefs with the world. All versions of you would be proud of you for that. And younger version of you might believe that maybe you had like a pro Mormon podcast or something. Totally. You'd be psyched to hear about it either way. Like you are being who you were raised to be. You're being who you are at your core and all of the things that maybe resonated about Mormonism with us pretty much manifest like outside of it. Like it's the return missionaries who now know how to like preach a different way of believing that brings them happiness and fills them with light. Like it's all, it's all same, same. God is everywhere. I love that. It's so true. It's also so helpful in, in that empathy and sympathy for the younger versions of yourself. Because we were just doing what we felt called to do, but in different contexts based on like different sets of knowledge based on different, settings you know and that's a really I think empathetic way to view our past versions of ourselves and yeah I love that so much my mom I was just on the phone with my mom and she's going to girls camp this week and she's still active she's still fully active she's like in the Relief Society stake presidency no young women stake presidency and she was like yeah I'm going to girls camp this week and I was like that sounds so special to go to girls camp. Like for those reasons you were saying like Mm -hmm. that connection. And I also just love the girls camp thing. Cause I'm like, that's the one place women just like mostly kind of got to do their thing Uh and like just be with each other and braid each other's hair. And I really love that. I want to end on one final question for Mm -hmm. you. And this is a gigantic question. Amazing. I'm sure I'll talk for 30 minutes. But you mentioned these other spiritual modalities. I'm, I guess I'm saying give, What's your advice for, I know there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are really wanting to reconnect spiritually, Mm -hmm. to tap into that spirituality. They're not sure how, they're not sure where to start. So however you would answer that as like an Mm. advice for people who are trying to find where they fit in spiritually and like spiritually learn. I, that's such a good question. I think that the number one thing just in general is I have found God, like your heart leads you to divinity. And I think if you have a mind to look for the divinity in it, I mean, like go hold one of your babies when they're not screaming or crying. It's like, <laughs> you cannot get any closer to God than that. And and a lot of the time, like within a religion, that is 
you know, tied up in, they tell you your child just came from the premortal kingdom and they are pure. And that's why you feel this way. But it's like that divinity that you always connected with under a different umbrella is still there. You will always feel like the love of like God and something greater than yourself when you're with the people that you love. So like, let your heart guide you to the things you love that have nothing to do with spirituality. And I feel like for everyone that I've ever talked to who I feel has found like, um, I mean, one of my really good friends, Lucy, Maddie's friend as well. Yeah, yeah, We're yeah. all obsessed. She's amazing. But she is, I don't know what she believes spiritually. We don't really talk about it, but she does reference like her intuition all the time. And it's like, she just wants to listen to herself. She just wants to trust herself. And I like when I'm around her, I feel like I'm in the presence of someone who is so spiritually connected, but I don't even know if she would refer to herself that mm. way. Like I feel her connection to what I perceive as her connection to divinity through just what she would call listening to her intuition. Um, as far as like modalities go, I love the, like my, my go-to answer is always meditation because it's completely unaffiliated mm. with any religion, any way of thinking. And there's so many different ways to do it. Like that space where you are out of your head and in your body, that's where you can connect to something larger than yourself. So whether that's a real sit down meditation or when you're hiking or when you're just like lost in thought or, you know, driving your car, like all of those can be meditative. But if you want to start a spiritual practice, I always recommend meditation because it's so safe. And there's, I mean, my patriarchal blessing, this was another thing that kept me in the church for forever was my patriarchal blessing used a lot of words like meditate and manifest Ooh, and creating miracles. And I would read it back and I felt like I was being validated and like, go ahead and meditate. Like yeah. this isn't, you know, going to pull you away from the church, even though it did. <laughs> Um, so meditation for sure. But as far as like spirit, um, like personal exploration, like these tools that help you really get to know yourself. I love Louise Hay. She has, I think she has a couple books, but the, um, heal your life is yeah. like her, it's the Bible. Like anyone can read it. Anyone would love it. We'll um, order immediately. And I love, um, human design for self. Like, have you ever heard of that or looked I, it up? JC and Chelsea talk a lot about it yeah, exactly. on what we said. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I feel like I've been like knocking down everybody's doors for years being like, raise your human design. <laughs> that one also, I think especially is good for post-Mormons because the languaging can be a little like constricting. And I feel like post-Mormons are good at not just like reading a label and being like, I guess that's me. Mm. Um, human design has been amazing. Astrology has been amazing. If you want to get really deep, there's something called gene keys. Mm. I'm just going to throw that out there for anyone who's like familiar with all yeah. this stuff. Like gene keys is really amazing. Cool. Um, but yeah, just do, I, I mean, my overall advice is like really just like God is everywhere. Divinity is everywhere. It's, you can't escape it. So like pay attention to those moments where you feel something and like that's God. I love that. I love in that answer the the assumption essentially like you're already doing it. Exactly. So just keep doing it and then, you know, follow those threads. Mm -hmm. And I think that for me is so helpful because like I have been thinking this whole conversation like my gift I would consider my spiritual gift is writing. Mm -hmm. I love to write. I've always connected really deeply spiritually to poetry and – it's a good reminder, not in a way of like, you need to read more poetry, Haley, mm -hmm. but like, oh yeah, like that's how I spiritually connect. I want to do that more mm -hmm. because it, where that's not necessarily like something I think would immediately come to mind for people as like totally. a spiritual practice, mm -hmm. but that's like where my spirit often leads me and just like actually doing it. So I really appreciate that answer. I think it's nice too, to just remember like it's already happening. Yeah. 
And like you said, you can't escape it. Yeah. But just like leaning into it more, giving maybe more of yourself to it as yeah. feels good. I mean, separation is the illusion. Like that mm. sounds so hippy dippy, but it's like the idea that you were ever not in the palm of God's hand, like the idea that you were ever anything different than just like so inherently spiritual and powerful is like silly. Yeah. Like you just you just are you everything are already is. like yeah yes anyway and I love that because it feels so different from the Mormon theology in a big mm-hmm. way and there's pieces of that in Mormon theology but it felt like there was a lot of separation there was a lot of conditions there was a lot of rules and regulations mm-hmm. and stripping that away feels so freeing and so so nice it's just mm-hmm. such a relief mm-hmm. to be like I just I deserve that love. I am that love. Exactly. Oh my gosh, I love that. You are, like, you are. And yes. when you give it, you see it back. It's just, I don't know, life, like, spiritually, life outside of Mormonism is, like, that's the thing I can sing praises on. Mm. Like, I get confused and scared about everything else. I still, you know, little shiver down my spine when I drink mm. coffee. I'm still afraid to drink alcohol. But, like, I can vouch a thousand percent, like, spiritually, life outside of a, an organized religion can be so rich and so deep and so easy Mm. so fucking easy like the idea that I ever had to like I would pray and pray and pray for years never got an answer was like looking under rocks for like the littlest scrap of an answer and now it's like I can just lay on my back and be like (laughs) what do and And I feel like I get it anyway (laughs) I love that what a beautiful note to end on amen thank you oh wow amen wow I like to end all of your episodes I don't actually name amen (laughs) it felt like a, a fitting thing to do Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I will, I want to talk about a billion more things. So hopefully we can do this again soon. Yeah, that would be fun. Whether recorded or not. Perfect. But I seriously appreciate it. I feel like you, it makes so much sense why you are doing what you're doing professionally because I feel very spiritually enlightened by you. Oh, thank you. I I just feel like really, I know that this will benefit so many people who are seeking that. Mm -hmm. I think finding people who are like, doing that is so helpful and hearing what they have to say and how they came to that point so I know you're going to be benefiting a lot of campers oh good awesome thank Thank you you for having me that was so fun